0: AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council selling American corn, sorghum, barley and co-products to buyers around the world every day. Global markets are an incredible challenge as well as an opportunity so you simply cannot overstate the importance of boots on the ground speaking the local language and understanding local political and regulatory constraints. That's what the U.S. Grains Council does. The explosive food demand is in developing countries where a growing middle class is moving to first-world quality diets. As we look at those markets, the volatility is extraordinary. The U.S. Grains Council is out there 24-7, establishing relationships, building trust, and opening doors for corn, sorghum, barley, and their co-products. And that translates into economic gains for farmers in the United States. Now, AgriPulse, open mic. Laura Batcha from the Organic Trade Association. Welcome to AgriPulse, open mic. Oh,
1: thanks for having me, Ken. It's nice to get a chance to speak with you today.
0: Laura, the organic food and the non-food products industry has grown pretty sharply in the 21st century, Uh, although it's still a small segment compared to the total market. Why do you think that American consumers are buying more organic products?
1: That's a great question, Ken, and thanks for taking a minute to speak with us today. Generally speaking, the consumers buy more organic products because the trend towards interest in where food is coming from, how it's produced, and traceability in the food supply is continuing upwards and likely to not um, uh, reduce in terms of interest from the public. Um, in addition to that specifically, we're seeing young, younger folks who are coming into their own households and is beginning to shop very, very interested in organic because we have another generation now that's grown up with organic in their, in their homes. So we're seeing, seeing that br- bring more families in as well.
0: Are you uh, seeing that USDA certification of organic farming and organic production has been helpful to your market sector?
1: If you look at at the data, the regulations were finalized and put into place as a national USDA overseen certification system in 2002. And in the convening 10 years, now 12 years, the market has grown tenfold from about 3 billion to 35 billion dollars a year now. And the role that the USDA seal has played is been tremendous. It's one of the top three recognized consumer seals um, only passed by the Better Business Bureau and the Good Housekeeping Seal for American Families. So the recognition that comes from that seal a decade later um, uh, has been very impactful.
0: There are quite a few farmers' markets who have producers who label their vegetables uh, chemical-free or beyond-organic they say they won't pay the fees or allow certification uh, and i wonder if that's a hindrance uh... to the organic food industry
1: well first i would like to invite uh, any farmers who are making that choice to really take a new look at certification there are some great programs in place to number one simplify the record-keeping burden and make it easier for managing the paperwork of certification There's also a provision in the Farm Bill that just passed this year that is rolling out to the states that helps reimburse small growers for the cost of certification. So I think some of those barriers uh, really don't exist today. So I encourage those growers to take another look at certification. Um, Is it a hindrance to the food industry? You know, I'm not sure. I think there's always the element that, the consumer needs to know when something says that it is organic, it is, and the certification and inspection system is, is really important to that whole process. At the same time, consumers are very interested in, in, in buying local foods, and the organic food industry is, is growing at a, at a very, very healthy pace. Any farmers that want to sell into the wholesale supply chain, which is where eighty over 80% of organic production goes, they have to be certified. Um, so, again, I think my, my real message to that is it's not a hindrance to the overall success, but we really do invite those growers to join us.
0: You can say you've uh, made it when uh, Walmart wants a piece of your market, and uh, lately Walmart has come out with some interesting data that, Says 91% of consumers would buy organic food and products if the price were competitive. Uh, and they've teamed up with Wild Oats now to expand uh, organic products in their stores. What's your reaction to this marketing move by a very large retailer?
1: Well, I think the most important thing it signals to me is that um, organic's here to stay. Um, it, it's not a passing fad, it's not going to go away when a when a major retailer like Walmart does all their due diligence on their data analysis and understands that this is a place to invest, I think that that bodes well for organic food and farming um, and, and its future. I think absolutely price continues to be a barrier, not necessarily to families choosing some organic, but to families expanding the amount of organic that's in their shopping cart when they're in the stores. Um, That said, in order to have the supply to meet this growing demand, farmers have to be able to receive that premium at at FarmGate or we won't be converting enough acres to to meet the demand. Um, There are higher costs to organic production. There's reasons why it costs more. So um, in order for this to work, The the farmer has to receive a a fair price and a price that encourages conversion. But there are a lot of efficiencies and price reductions that can be gained throughout the supply chain that come with scale and efficiency of distribution. So I think both can be done.
0: Well, to add to that, uh, I've been talking to some organic growers who are pretty good marketers, and they say when Walmart and that type of group comes in, uh, somebody gets squeezed, and in their view, it will be the grower. And the smaller growers, uh, basically on what you said, are the ones that may suffer the most. So is it going to be just let the market prevail, or, or is there any way that the organic industry can have a some type of compassion for the smaller growers who really brought you to this point?
1: You know, that, it, it's a great question, and like I said, I think there's a lot of efficiencies to be gained in the supply chain, um, while you maintain the the fair value-added price to the farmers at at, uh, FarmGate. And it's a timely question because this coming week, our membership is gathering in Washington, D.C. for our annual conference. Um, And one of the features of the conference this year is uh, a summit sponsored by our Farmers Advisory Council where we are convening actors across the supply chain from small to large producers, growers, farmers, um, first handlers, grain buyers, as well as manufacturers and, and brands to tackle this very question about what are the alternative models that um, organic as an industry needs to be looking at to help mitigate risk across the supply chain and, and encourage growers to continue to come into organic and stay in organic. So it's a very timely question, and, and um, I know our membership, everything from the growers to the finished product manufacturers are are very excited about having this day-long strategic session on that exact question.
0: Along with this, the concern some have is that the word organic will become a brand and it will lose its roots uh, and that uh, those who are able to keep their produce organic and then be able to sell it uh, at maybe uh, conventional prices will be the ones who prevail. Do you worry about um, that brand, that trademark, that organic word that you've worked so hard to uh, get to this point?
1: Well, I think organic already is a brand one. It's one of the top three recognized food seals by, by families. And one of the great things about the organic um, standards and regulatory system is that it applies to everybody. So no matter where you are or, or the size of your operation, everybody has to meet the same requirements. So from that perspective, you know, there's uh, scale is not an issue. And I really think the consumer is, is, just going to continue to be more and more interested in where their food comes from. And I think that there's going to be a place um, for growers of all sizes interested in all types of outlets, whether or not it's a CSA model or a farmer's market model or a wholesale distribution model or a combination of those things or growing grains on contract for a large livestock producer. I think all those options are going to be able to to be, continue to be open to growers, and I really think that the, um, uh, consumers across the country are going to support all types and sizes.
0: Could you discuss with me a little bit about the organic checkoff? Would this be similar to other checkoffs that agriculture has now that deal with increasing research and promotion of products?
1: Well, it would be similar... In terms of its basic construct and that the Department of Agriculture helps oversees these pro, um, programs, but I would say that organic never does anything just like conventional agriculture does, so, so it will be different. Um, but the idea of the checkoff program would be to have a broad and shallow assessment, the... Organic sector is looking at a program where it would just not be farmers or first handlers that would be assessed, but that everybody in the supply chain would be assessed at a low level for the value that they add. So it would be unique in that it would bring in manufacturers and processors and brands into the assessment, which has not been seen before in traditional checkoffs. Typically, it's the farmer or the first handler only that's paying The types of programs that the checkoff could support, um, are again, are somewhat similar to what you traditionally see, promotion, public education, marketing. But again, marketing isn't always about demand. Marketing can also be about the value placed and the receptivity to a class of goods. So it's not just about growing demand, but it's also about growing appreciation for the product. In addition to traditional market research, there's a tremendous need for on-the-farm research to overcome some of the challenges to organic production that are very, very unique because of a, um, not able to rely on uh, some of the, the chemical inputs that have occupied tremendous interest in land-grant universities. But I think another thing that would be unique about an organic checkoff is it could also provide information. And education to farmers looking to convert to organic.
0: The current push to have GMO labeling in some states—Vermont uh, has passed it. Other state legislatures have uh, have had some action on it. Uh, do you think it'll be positive or negative for organics, or will it just cause consumer confusion?
1: Well, organics always been non-GMO and a whole lot more. That said, the organic industry as a whole always supports transparency and labels. That's what this market was built on, and 93% of consumers say that they want to know if their food has been genetically modified for a whole host of personal reasons. So um, organic is never opposed to disclosure. At the the same time, I think it's imperative that organic get its message out, Um, as I said, that it's always been non gmo Plus a whole lot more because non-GMO on its own doesn't necessarily provide for families what they're looking for in terms of foods that have been produced in a way that is sustainable, ecological, verified without the reliance on toxic and synthetic pesticides and fertilizers, growth hormones, etc.
0: Laura Batcha from the Organic Trade Association, thank you very much for being our guest this week on AgriPulse Open Mic.
1: Nice to get to talk to you, Ken. Thank you.
0: AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council, selling American corn, sorghum, barley, and co-products to buyers around the world every day. Thanks for listening. I'm Ken Root.